I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's poppin', everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of the Celtics Pod podcast with me, your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Greg Manakis. What's poppin', Greg? Maybe Rob Williams' knee? Is that popping? Oh, too soon. Dude, too we all wanted something to talk well. about. <laughs> we all wanted something to talk about. All I've seen on Twitter, I've been trying to like stay off Twitter recently, but all I've seen on Twitter... Everybody that I respect in the media game just begging for things to talk about. Oh, it's the dry season. It's football season. We can't talk about basketball. Well, everybody, you got your wish. We can talk about basketball now. Yeah, but now we don't want to. Look, take the news back. Hey, hey, I wish, man. <laughs> I wish we could take it back. But we, we're here, bro, and we got to talk about it. Robert Williams, news dropped today, out four to six weeks with a uh, minimally invasive arthroscopic surgery on that surgically repaired knee that kept him out at the end of the season and into the playoffs. Adam, when you first heard the news, what went through your mind? This blows. <laughs> so that was pretty much all that went through my mind. I mean, look, this was always a risk. I think we as fans knew it was a risk. I think the team knew it was a risk. Rob knew it was a risk. Coming back as fast as he did during the playoffs, and you could see he wasn't 100%, played through the pain barrier a little bit. There was always a concern that he might need further surgery, right? And then if you yep. follow Rob Williams on like IG, he's been posting a bunch of like workout vids. He's been waking up early, getting some runs in and stuff. And you just, you never know what sort of extent that recovery is at. Like, is he fully recovered? Is he partially recovered? And setbacks happen, man. I mean, if you want to look at like knee injuries and meniscus injuries and stuff, Look at Lanzo Ball. He had like a six-week like projected period to be on the sidelines for Chicago. He missed the entire, like the second half of the season, the entire playoffs. There's no timeline on his return at the moment. He's definitely not going to be in training camp. And then you look at Rob and he made it back. So you, you know, you got, you got him when you needed him most or you got some version of him. And now what you've got is... I wouldn't say you're kind of reaping what you sow because I'm sure they didn't put him in a position to get hurt. Like that didn't benefit anybody. Mm -hmm. But you also played a calculated risk and this was one of the outcomes in that calculated risk. Yeah, and in the playoffs, correct me if I'm wrong. So when he came back from the surgery, he also like re-injured it and had a and had like a bone bruise, didn't he? There was like two parts to that injury where it wasn't just the surgery. So like when we saw him hobbling around all playoffs, which I feel like people didn't talk about enough as it was happening, how bad he looked at times when he was still on the court. And, you know, you and I talked about it. People on Twitter talked about it. But you didn't really hear the announcers like go into as much detail as they should have. The guy was dragging his leg around like year 18 Tim Duncan. Like he was struggling to get up and down the court. So I don't really know. You know, I think your Lonzo point is is the it's the most salient point we can make right now is that when you have a meniscus injury like this, you have no idea how that thing's going to react. You can get surgery on it. You can do the long-term approach. You can do the short-term approach. It's kind of just up in the air. It depends from guy to guy. And it's a little scary that 
Robert Williams as as you know as talented as he is, as high IQ as he is, as good of a passer as he is, his greatest asset is quite obviously his vertical ability. And it's it's scary, man, because at 25 years old, you know, this is what two two or three surgeries already within his career. And it's um it's tough. It's tough news to to get, man. Rob's one of my favorite guys. I think the other thing about that Lonzo kind of comparison there. As you said, it was probably the most salient point. But the other aspect to look at it is, at the moment, we've got a tentative like four-week recovery time, five-week mm-hmm. recovery time. Yep. That doesn't mean he'll be back on the court in five weeks. That could mean he's back in basketball-related activities. Yep. That, not including setbacks, not including a cautionary approach. You could be looking at more, like you might not see him till January. I mean, and this is like worst-case scenario, right? I'm not putting that out there saying that's any form of information I know. All I'm saying is there is a world where Robert Williams doesn't come back until January because at the end of the day, you already rushed him back once. And for good reason, you know, you were in the playoffs, you were trying to win a chip and you got darn close to doing so. But now when it's the regular season, the games, they still matter, but they just don't matter as much. Mm-hmm. They could take that long-term approach. So you, like Rob might be back. Early November, he might be back mid-January. There's just no no knowing what way it's going to shake out. Same as how it's been with Lanza in Chicago. And that's a big concern. And that leads us into the bigger concern. What are they going to do for backup minutes at the five? Like, is Luke Cornett ready? We were concerned about him having a third man in third big in the rotation role. He's going to get propelled into significant minutes. And, you know, do do they slide out to the five? Does Cornet start at the five? What's going to happen? What is Cabangele ready? There's a gaping hole there now. And I yeah. think that's a concern, right? So, like, before we go into some possibilities, I just want to take get your opinion on how big of an issue is this five, man, like that five position right now for you? I think it's a huge, you know, huge concern, dude. Luke Cornette, I, I think you like him. I like him. But with Luke, it, you, he's just unproven at the NBA level. He's had moments where you're like, oh, he might be able to be, you know, like a Robin Lopez type or somebody like that who can play drop coverage, um, who can rebound. He can bang with with some of the big boys. Like, I thought he actually did a pretty good job when he when he got a chance this past year and in the past. But without Robert Williams, man, there's a huge hole on the Celtics roster um, the fact that we had to move off of Tice, I know some people were done with Daniel Tice at the end of last year because he struggled after round one. But you have to remember how well he played in Robert Williamstead in round one against the Nets. He was a vital part of what we did defending Kevin Durant, defending Kyrie Irving. Uh, Daniel Tice is a guy that I would keep my eye on as, you know, he's in Indiana right now. I think still right at him. He's still in Indiana. Um, he's probably going to get traded again or he's going to get bought out. Um, there's a chance and there's a world in which he could end up back on the Celtics. And I would be okay with Daniel Tice coming back because he's a great regular season big. He's a great rotation big. He understands the system. All the stuff that we saw last year when he came back to Boston, I think it, it makes a lot of sense to bring him back again. I don't know how realistic that is at this point. But I, I do agree, man, that list of centers that we can talk about. Let's get into that. Who are the centers out there right now that you have your eye on? Yeah, so... First thing we need to know is the Celtics have free available roster spots. So they have room to bring somebody in. And then if you're looking at the free agency kind of player pool, you're looking at a Dwight Howard, a DeMarcus Cousins, a Hassan Whiteside, Cody Zeller, LaMarcus Aldridge, maybe Tristan Thompson, or a Greg Monroe. Though that's your list of guys right there, all of which are free agents, all of which you can just go and sign right away if they have interest in joining the team. 
and you still have two available roster spots if you want to have this these training camp battles that are going on to still occur. So there are options available to you. I'm just a little bit skeptical on all of those names because Brad Stevens didn't try and sign any of them earlier. He was very happy to just see what was in the cupboard and see what happened in training camp. His hand's going to get forced now. If I had to choose, gun to the head, I'm going with DeMarcus Cousins. And why do you want Boogie? I just think he fits the system the best. He can play He can play outside. He can do a little bit inside. He's a, a fairly reasonable rebounder. He's not as, like, he hasn't lost as many a step or as much of a step as Dwight Howard. Gives you a bit more offensively than Hassan Whiteside does, maybe a bit less defensively, but you can survive with Boogie playing drop. I think he's better than Zeller, even though I think Zeller's a very good passer. Aldridge doesn't have the movement that made him so great when he was younger, but like he's very just movemently challenged. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tristan Thompson, like it didn't work the first time. Yeah, we can't bring Tristan Thompson back, dude. We don't need that drama. The thing, you know, when you say all those names, it's just interesting. You know, you, some people would say, oh, you want Boogie Cousins? Like, he's a head case. Like, why would you want to bring him into a locker room? He's going to ruin the locker room. Well, I mean, Dwight Howard is not exactly a great teammate. He He's not beloved wherever he goes. Um, Hassan Whiteside has been a little bit of a quote-unquote head case in the past, has, you know, been selfish in his desire for minutes, even though every NBA player should want to be on the court. But you got to understand your role. I think he did a better job understanding he was playing behind the defensive player of the year last year in Utah. He, you know fell into his role much more as a backup big. I think he's a guy with his just sheer size. He's ginormous. He's like seven foot two. Would be really interested in bringing in. Um, but I agree, dude. I, I've always wanted Boogie in Boston. I always think back to pre-DeMarcus knee injury and um, Achilles injury. Bill Simmons wrote a great article about the the different paths for Boogie Cousins um, if, if the Celtics were to trade for him. And I always think back to that because I was very – on the same train as Bill Simmons at the time. Um, I loved Boogie when when he was a young player in Sacramento. I loved him when he got that chance to play alongside Anthony Davis. Then he just got hurt. So there's a part of me that's like, maybe there's still more of an upside in bringing in Boogie Cousins than bringing in a, a Dwight Howard, who you pretty much know what you're going to get. You're not going to get another defensive player of the year, year out of Dwight Howard, right? He's going to give you eight to 10 minutes of solid basketball. Um, Hassan Whiteside, you're not going to, there's no more promise there, right? With Boogie, there's at least something you can hang on to, you know, kind of like watching Jabari Parker where you're like, Oh, but maybe, maybe Jabari Parker <laughs> could, could refine what made him like a five-star uh, prospect back in the day. So that's really the main reason I want to bring in Boogie the fit. I don't necessarily know that I a hundred percent agree that he's the best fit just because he's movemently challenged, um, to steal your phrase. And uh, yeah, but that that's kind of where I'm at. It's slim pickings at the, at the center spot. Yeah, for sure. And I agree, there's, he's not a perfect fit, but he does give you a little bit of a five-out offense. Now, Good if path. you're just trying, if you're trying just to replace what Robert Williams gives you, uh, rebounding, rim-protecting, rim-runner, Hassan Whiteside, you got, he's going to give you everything Robert Williams gives you, just at a lesser extent. Mm -hmm. But he's going to be that guy. I think Dwight Howard could be, but more so now he's more of just a rim protector. He's a bit slower, doesn't really offer you the same vertical spacing you used to. Whiteside can give you a bit of vertical spacing too. But if you're looking for somebody that just fits a modernized offense, Cousins, to me, 
out of that list is that dude. But the downside is out of all of those players, Cousins is the most fragile in terms of can he sustain a, a significant load while Robert Williams is out without picking up an injury of his own. And that's a legitimate concern that may be the reason he doesn't end up in a Celtic shooting format at the current moment. You know, Whiteside is a lot more sturdy in terms of injury history. Cody Zeller could give you something, but he's coming off his own is- injury issues. That leaves Dwight Howard, and I can see why people like him. And I can see, like, you know, I, I like Dwight. I think Dwight a, a, was a solid big man. And now, not so much. He's not going to give you too much. It is slim pickings, and there's a chance that Brad just runs with Corner and Cavangelo and just pray. And then, you know, as we move through the season, if Rob gets a setback in November and he's not back till January, do you see how things are going? Maybe you dip your toes into free agency then, or maybe you try and hold out until closer to the trade deadline. And see who shakes free. Yeah, maybe maybe that's when Tice becomes free. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there, there, there's a chance that because uh, we can't get Tice back, right? He has to be traded to another team before we can acquire him. Yeah, he needs to move one more time. Yeah, so that would be the only way that Tice can come back. Um, I I put these guys on my list because I know they're available. But do you know if they have an injury status right now? I know they haven't been great the past few years. But uh, Ed Davis and Willie Colley Stein. I don't know if they have an injury status, but I know I want no part in Woody Colestine. <laughs> yeah. um, no he's part at all. He's a good artist. He's a good artist, but uh, not much of a basketball player. Ed Davis has always been interesting. You know, he was kind of a uh, analytics darling for a little bit, but he's definitely fallen off over time. There's one more dude that could work. Come, and you spoke about Toys coming back for his third stint in Boston. There's another free agent that nobody's mentioned right now who could come back for his third stretch in Boston. That's Ennis Cantor Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want no part of Ennis Cantor Freedom ever again, man. I, 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 it's ingenuous not to say at least, right? <laughs> like we're talking about potential options. Oh my god, that that poor guy is just—he completely—he he talked himself out of the league, man. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he got Metallica hard. But um, anyway, moving on. If you got that reference, great. If you didn't, we're moving on. That, look, do you, everyone just needs to hope that Rob comes back. My big, the next question you need to ask yourself is, does this put Rob Williams in the five now? Do you just not, sorry, does this put Al Horford in the five now? Do you slide Al Horford up to the five? Good question, man. So, I mean, that would leave what? Either Grant Williams starting at the four or sliding Tatum up and you go smart Brogdon, JB, Tatum, and Horford. Yeah, Ross Smart, White, JB, Tatum, and Horford, if you really like the idea of Brogdon being that legit six man. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think Brogdon should be in the starting lineup. I know that the injury concern is real with him, and using him as a six man allows you to not have to rely on him quite as much as if he's in the starting lineup. But I, I just truly think Brogdon's the third best guy on the roster. Um, I'm, I'm huge on his talent. I th- I've always thought he was just in a vacuum, a better player than smart. I think smart has some intangibles that Brogdon lacks, but if, you know, if I'm just comparing the two players, I'm like, I don't know. I, th- I think I'd probably want to start my pickup team with Malcolm Brogdon versus Marcus Star- smart. That's just my opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with me on that. I truly believe that Celtics fans this year are going to be like, Oh, Mark Malcolm Brogdon is really, really good at basketball. Hopefully we get to see it on the court because that's been the issue in the past. But that's what I would do, man. I would start Brogdon. I just think you want to start your best players. Um, I think there's a a real world in which Brogdon 
um, wins a starting spot by the end of the year anyway. So with Rob being out, I think this is a good chance to try it out. Derek White, to me, is a much better um, sixth man or seventh man than Brogdon is. I think Brogdon deserves to be a, a starter at this point in his career. And that's fair. I mean, for me, I'm more along the lines of one of the biggest issues for Boston last year was their bench couldn't buy a bucket for long stretches. And Brogdon, being that dude who is incredibly talented, can fix that instantly by just coming yeah, off the bench, sure. right? And he Absolutely. can you can still play starters minutes while being a bench guy. Like just be like and I, I expect Brogdon to play close to starting five minutes, just not with that starting five, because I in my head, you need somebody like that that can come off the bench, give you some creation, some scoring, some size at his position. But I would say like dude, like Al Horford was incredibly effective at the four. Do you want do if you slide him back up to the five, that's a bit, a bit of an additional wear and tear on his body because he's banging with bigger dudes. You know, you're going to have to run your offense a little bit differently because, you know, you can't go weak side, like, free safety like you could with Rob because you just don't have the athleticism there now. It's going to be questionable. Jason Tatum had an all-NBA season at the three. Jaden Brown was an absolute menace at the two. And it's positionless basketball, I get that. So they weren't specifically playing roles designed for a 2, 3, 4, or 5, but where they're lining up, you know, you still numbered them 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, you know, there's just not enough depth at the 5 now to be able to be viable of running a double big liner. Well, I mean, Grant has shown the ability to play the 5, right? He's done a great job against the MVP of the league in Jokic, right? So... You could theoretically put Grant in the starting lineup and have him guard fives. Um, and as you said, it's positionless basketball, positionless defense. So there's going to be a lot of switching going on. But it's just where do you want those, um, you know, those body shots going? Do you want Al Horford taking the body shots or do you want somebody else taking the body shots? Because that's what wears you down over the season. It's getting hit in the ribs, you know, hundreds of times, <laughs> setting those screens and just like banging with the big dudes, which is why I think going back to our previous discussion, it makes sense to bring in a DeMarcus Cousins. It makes sense to bring in a white side, even an Aldridge, right? Aldridge is just ginormous. He's not like the most physical player in the world, but he he's big. He's just a bigger dude than Al Horford is. So you know, with, with those dudes, I totally get it. You know, they're innings eaters to steal a baseball term. Um, the, the Tim Wakefields of the world that just like you just throw out. Did you know who Tim Wakefield is, Adam? Not a clue. Okay. <laughs> he was a knuckleball pitcher for the Red Sox for a while, but the Sox, he, he had some really good seasons, but the Sox would kind of just throw him out there at random times when they needed like seven innings because they were, it was a 10 run game or something like that. But that's what those guys are. You know, um, I do think with Horford that he played so many minutes last year, man, he played so many minutes and we needed Rob to be healthy. I personally don't want him at the five. Now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more. That's my point. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want think him I want him there, there man. Yeah. yeah. And this is exactly what I was getting at. I just did not want him there because of those reasons you've just said. You don't want the additional wear and tear. He excelled as a four. There's other availability to bring in a five. Cornet can play the five. Cabin Jelle can absorb some minutes, be an innings eater, as you said, at the five. And then just bring in a body, man. Like My biggest concern is the amount of money it's going to cost to bring in one of these guys. And let me just break this down. I'm going to have another ESPN moment if you're watching on YouTube. 
the way the, the way the luxury tax is set up at the moment for the Celtics, for every dollar they spend, it's going to hit them at like $4.50. So now you're looking at a veteran minimum contract is going to cost you close to $10 million. That's a huge chunk of change. If you're going to bring in a Dwight Howard or a DeMarcus Cousins, do they bring you $10 million worth of impact? And more importantly, when Robert Williams is healthy, can you still find a role for this veteran? Because if not, that's a lot of money to be wasting on somebody that's just going to be sitting on the bench for the majority of the season, or hopefully the majority of the season. I don't know what the exchange rate is right now, but it reminds me of when I went to London in uh, 2017 or 2018, you know, it's just uh, every dollar that I spent over there, it was like 1.5, I think the exchange rate was. And I had no idea the exchange rate was that bad. And I was just spending euro after euro. And if the Celtics want one of these big men with this luxury tax implications, they're going to have to, you know, be shopping um, far above what they those guys are, are deserve to be paid, you know. And that's that's the issue right now. So without Robert Williams um, available, and it, I think the the wording in the tweet was he should be back sometime in the early season. You know that's scary because that's very vague. That could be week one. It, as you said, it could be mid October. It could be Christmas. I want Rob healthy. I want to save Al Horford. Unfortunately, those are two very very important pieces on this roster. So I mean, the Celtics gonna have to figure it out, man gonna have to figure it out so the one more thing i want to hit on first of all and then we've got some breaking news that we can hit during this episode as well you said you was in london and you were spending euro after euro pound after pound pound after pound <laughs> I, I just needed to dude uh, i'm a i'm a i'm a dumb american i don't know, I don't know <laughs> that's not an excuse how many people use that excuse with me man that's not an excuse uh Right then, so breaking news, the Celtics have waived Bruno Caboclo. So he was going to be on their training camp roster. Obviously, they've been probably doing some things behind closed doors, and they've decided that Bruno Caboclo is, in fact, not the Brazilian KD. Mm. Was that who he was meant to be, the Brazilian KD? Is that the joke? That was Yeah, it joke? was like he's, what, two years away from being two years away. That was obviously yeah, the being, Yeah, yeah. So they've waived him. It's official sources from Shams. Shams, Shams. Okay, I'm going to let you take this one. <laughs> I think that's as much as I've got to say. They've obviously seen him behind closed doors and decided yeah. that he's not up to the level that they need, and they have waived him. Yeah, well, Bruno, thank you for your time. Um, you didn't bring us much. Bring a hey, he brought us just as much as uh, Gallinari did, though. Yeah, just as much as Gallinari did, but Gallinari is costing you 13 million over the next two years if he ups into that second year player option, which he will, because why would you not? And that leads us on because there's been a, a bit of talk. There's been reports. I know Brian Roberts mentioned it in some of his articles for Mass Live. I've seen it floated around with other people. Ryan Bernardoni mentioned it on Twitter. There's a potential chance that the Celtics may look to trade Gallinari before the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. I understand why you would do that. If you can bring back somebody, anybody that can give you some form of impact over what Gallinari's non-playing minutes is going to give you, yep. then you, you have to consider it. But let me say this, 
and I have a big issue about this, right? If you're going to trade away Gallinari, you need to think what message it sends. Because trading away a free agent acquisition like Gallinari now, so soon after an injury or any time up until the trade deadline, you're sending a message out and it doesn't look good because other free agents that could have a potential interest in signing with the Celtics, one of their first questions they're going to ask themselves is, if I get injured, are they going to trade me too? And that could be something that stops you from signing some of these veteran ring chasers in the future because a lot of these veteran ring chasers are 14, 15 years deep in the league and have an injury history and they're going to be looking for somewhere they feel stable. So trading away Gallo might make sense in the short term, but as a long-term move, it could have some knock-on ramifications. Yeah, and I think there's a valid point there, but you know, to play devil's advocate to that, if you're looking at Gallo and you're like, hey, man, it stinks. You, you know, it didn't work out. Let's figure out the best way to keep you happy. If you're Gallinari, I don't know what his housing situation in his Boston is in Boston yet, but like you could be like, hey, man, just spend the year in Italy. You know what I mean? We're going to trade you, rehab in Italy, be home with your family. You were just um, playing in the Eurobasket anyway. Stay over there, relax, take a year off, um, do what you got to do. And then, you know, maybe you're, you get in the good graces. It's just all about how you handle it behind the scenes. And the, I guess the message that's put out there in the media, if it's just like Gallinari doesn't say anything about it and the Celtics just trade him for sure. I think the optics of that could be a little bad. Um, but I think it's just all, all about the way the, the media relations team handles it. And I, I think, I think there's a world in which it works out. But with that, Adam, there's a list of names that I want to throw at you right now that make roughly what Gallinari was making. It was like 6.3 or 6.4. Around about that. Yeah. It's that 6 million ish mark. Okay. I'm just going to throw out these list of names. Um, I might stop earlier than I intended. Uh, let me just, I was getting a call from my girlfriend. Sorry. First name, Cam Reddish. Second name, Kevin Knox. Third name, PJ Washington, probably unattainable. Fourth name, old friend, Romeo Langford. And fifth name, Corey Joseph. Just some names I threw out there, all under $6 million. Any of those names of interest to you? Because I feel like on some level, all of them could be gettable, probably minus PJ Washington. But this is unfair because you know I'm biased. You want Romeo. You know I want Romeo. Can I do too, man. Franchise, bro, I'm joking. But Romeo, to me, is ideal. You want a wing stopper. Romeo showed he can be a high-level defender when given the opportunity. His corner drives were a thing of beauty last season as he started to get some more minutes. I still think there's a player there. He's in a prove-it-or-lose-it season, mm-hmm. and there's a chance he loses it, but I do think that he's better served staying with San Antonio for that very reason. Obviously, I, I hope he does well, first of all, and I do think if he's given the minutes this year, he's going to impress some people. Obviously, I'm going to lean PJ Washington. I love his game. He's inside out. He's a great fit. If he's unattainable, I like Cam Reddish. I'm a complete no. I'm not. I just don't. I'm not a big fan. I wasn't big on him when the Knicks originally drafted him. Cam Reddish, I think there's something there. But he's also kind of, he's not in the same boat as Langford. I think Reddish has shown a little bit more and there might be a team willing to buy on that upside for at least one more contract, whether that be a two-year or three-year deal. He'll probably get one more like contract's worth of opportunity in the league. Whereas Romeo, if you don't prove it this year, you're going to be in Europe with the rest of the other dudes uh, next season. And I genuinely believe that. So I'd, I'd go 
if I had to tier it properly, I'm going to leave Romeo at bottom of that list because I want him to be somewhere where he can get true developmental minutes. So I'm going to go PJ Washington at one, Cam Reddish at two. Kev, you gave me five names, right? Who was Kevin the- Knox and Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph at three, Knox at four, and Romeo at five. And like I say, I'm only putting Romeo at the bottom because I want him to be in a position to succeed. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, you know, PJ Washington, I think, is obviously the most talented player in that group. Um, you could maybe make the argument Cam Reddish has just more pure talent than PJ Washington, but PJ Washington has carved out an uh, you know role um, with the with the Hornets for the last couple of years. He plays; he can play some five despite being six 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 seven, whatever he is. He plays much bigger than his listed size. Um, so as you look towards you know the the Rob Williams absence, that's somebody that could potentially come in. It's just like, what's the cost to get PJ Washington? It might be a little bit too high. That's why I think Cam Reddish is probably the most attainable. He doesn't seem to have a role for the Knicks. He's rumored. Um, I, I, anytime I look at rumors, it's always Cam Reddish is rumored to go somewhere. And that's not New York. I've talked to a few New York guys. Um, I talked to your guy, Jonathan Macri on, over on green with envy and Macri was like, yeah, I don't think Cam Reddish is staying. I just don't think he's going to be there. So if Cam Reddish isn't going to be in New York, I would like to see him play, you know, alongside another former Duke guy and Jason Tatum. I think yeah. that he he might they might even bring something out of him. See, you know, playing with Jalen Brown, playing with Jason Tatum, Cam Reddish might be motivated to ch- kind of get on their level because coming out of college, he had all the opportunity to be just as good as those two guys. I'm I'm in with it. I, I I like the idea of having Cam Reddish. I think that makes perfect sense. He he's definitely the type of high upside swing that Brad Stevens has shown a willingness to take. He's got you know I think he's low floor, high ceiling type of guy. When you said that like Reddish is probably more talented than PJ Washington, but the difference is that PJ Washington is NBA proven, and that's why his value is higher because you're buying a potential. With Cam Reddish, you're buying proven production with PJ Washington. So I could see that. I just want to update this as well. We said Cody Zeller was a potential free agency name. A big man, he's been taken off the table, just signed a deal with the Utah Jazz. Like we're you, covering, man. Breaking, breaking news here. It's like we're covering. NBA free agency all over again. That's what I'm saying, man. It feels like a couple of months back, right? Um, no, but seriously, I like Cam Reddish. If that's an opportunity, then great. Another name that's been floated around because Again, with the Utah Jazz, it sounds like they're willing to move him, according to a report from Brian Windhorst over on NBA Today. That was yesterday's report, obviously made the rounds on socials today. Jay Crowder is potentially available because Phoenix are looking to improve and Crowder's contract situation and be, you know, is in that final year of that deal. It's a very medium-sized deal, so it's quite easy to move on from. So Crowder could be available. If you're looking for some wing help, and I know this whole the whole point of this show was big man help, but if you're looking for some wing help, you could potentially find a way to bring Crowder in. I just don't know how you make that work. I don't think Utah take on Gallo's contract. I think you well, can make money work that way. Wait, Crow- Crowder's in Phoenix, right? Yeah, did I say Utah? You said Utah, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's because I keep seeing Utah everywhere. Yeah, Crowder's because, in Phoenix. Because that's the rumor, right? Is that maybe it's uh, Crowder for Bogdanovich. That's the, that's where I've got it from. Yeah. yeah. But I just don't see why a rebuilding team is going to want Crowder compared to a team like Boston. Because Crowder, since he left Boston, you know, he's been on some some finals teams in Miami. 
He's been on some conference finals teams. Then he's been over at Phoenix and impressed there, been to the finals there, been to deep playoff runs with them. He is very much a contending team piece. You know, yeah. he started every game that he was available for last season in Phoenix. So he's in an expiring deal. I think he's making like 10 million a year Yeah. Um, for the Celtics to get him. It sounds like Phoenix still wants a piece. They're not looking for picks, right? So they want to everything. So it's a Derek they, White. Derek White's the answer, right? That, that That's what I was going to say. Derek yeah. White is probably the only guy on the roster that makes sense for what the Suns need because they don't have a lot of defense in the backcourt. They don't have a lot of depth in the backcourt. They rely a lot on campaign. And although campaign has improved, a lot. The campaign campaign is real. Um, he's not the greatest defender in the world. He, he can pick up 94 feet and be a nuisance just because he's long. He can make some stuff happen because he's quick as lightning, but they rely a lot on campaign and they rely a lot on a 38 year old Chris Paul. Derek White seems like the guy that would make the most sense with the Celtics bringing in Brogdon with Peyton Pritchard's development. I could see Derek White being moved if the Celtics were interested in a, in a reunion with Jay Crowder. Personally, um, I, I think that's probably the route I would take. Cause I think there's a little bit more upside in what Peyton Pritchard offers being able to stretch the floor and Jay Crowder adding more wing depth. Cause the Celtics, although they have smart and Brogdon that can play bigger, they don't have a lot of wing depth, man. They really don't. So they traded all that away. Um, Neesmith was supposed to be that guy. Romeo was supposed to be that guy. Josh Richardson was supposed to be that guy. And they just don't have a lot of wing depth. So Jay Crowder, although he's like a, you know, a bigger wing and can play up similar to like a Grant Williams. Um, I, I think that's probably the move I'd be most interested in seeing the Celtics make. Is there a way that we can swing Derek White for Jay Crowder? The only downside to that that I see is one of the biggest upsides to when you acquired Derek White was he had multiple years of contract yeah, he's control. Got, what, four? He's got three more now. Yeah. So he, 2022, 23, 23, 24, 24, 25. So he's got three more years of contract control. And then you'd be giving that up for one year of Jay Crowder with no guarantee that he's going to re-sign afterwards. Yeah. And also, I mean, just think about the connectivity that Derek White brought to the offense. You know, yeah. Jay Crowder does not bring that. Jay Crowder just stands still and shoots the ball. Um, the Celtics got bogged down in their inability to move the ball and have people that were willing to be connectors last year when Derek White came to the team. Although he couldn't do it at the highest level, he did it on a pretty big stage. You know, he played really, really well throughout the playoffs. He just didn't do it in the finals. Um, so I think with Derek White, you know, it's it's tough, man. Jay Crowder, he there's a there's holes on the roster. I think that's the point, right? Is that Jay Crowder definitely add something to the roster. Derek White adds something to the roster. They don't have that extra piece, which is why I think, you know, it, it would be interested in a, in a guy like Romeo coming back because he he was also one guy that could theoretically be a connector on the offensive end of the court. As well. I wanted him playing ball like a, like a point forward role. I remember really pushing for this yeah. for a while. Yeah. You, Does you, a, you were all in on point, point Romeo. I'm still am, to be honest. I've also seen reports floating around that maybe San Antonio be willing to move on from Jakob Pertl. I've seen rumors. Yeah, they want two first-round picks, though. Yeah, that's the problem. Right, I'll give them whatever they want, to be honest. I think he really fits. But you don't, like, again, the role won't be there for him once Rob's healthy. You could probably find a way to bring Richardson back. If I'd you be still a, I like the help. So there's a lot of moves that Boston could 
should or maybe will make. However, and you can label all of those moves, this is to the listeners, however you want to. You want to label it as a should do, a could do, or maybe will do. Go ahead. We're just giving you the options that are available that we've seen floated around. But right now, it just sucks, dude. We're so close to training camp. But look, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You can start as rocky as you want. At least now, if the Celtics come out the gate slow, they've got an excuse. They're not going to get vilified in, in, in the media this time. Yeah, but that's the thing with the Celtics, man, where the hospital sees, man. Like, we were, this year, I think, especially when we got Gallinari and Brogdon, you know, Gallinari being a little bit older, Brogdon being injury-prone, we were like, if there's one thing the Celtics can't afford, it's people getting hurt. And Gallinari's already gone. Rob Williams is hurt. And, you know, that just doesn't bode well for this season. But I don't want to get, you know, we're still a month out from training camp. I don't want to get too in my own head and too negative right now. There's still a lot of promise for this team. It stinks that Rob is out, as you said. Uh, but I, th- I think we'll be okay, man. I think we will be okay. I'm interested to see how the Celtics maneuver from here on out. But it was fun because we actually had stuff to talk about. Yeah, which is nice, right? Because it flowed. Everybody, if you've enjoyed this show, please make sure you subscribe on YouTube. You follow us on any of the podcasting platforms that you choose. And if you enjoy it a lot and you're a regular listener, you know that you need to be sharing this show around. It really helps us out. Just use your word of mouth. I know we joke about it a bunch with dog walkers, yacht salesmen, barbers, waiters. But it's because anybody could be a potential listener. The more we grow, the more shows we can bring you. Make sure to go check out Greg's band, Black Sheep Optimist. Make sure to go check out Greg and Will's pod over on Green with Envy. And make sure to follow us all on socials. Until next time, y'all, we out. Peace. Ain't disrespecting you haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the major. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything I am. It's something that I do.